Welcome to PhD with Woman on It, Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young, and today's PhD, Positivity Hacks Delivered, will be by our guest, Pete Bombacci. Topic beyond small talk, how meaningful connections transform lives, conversations, connections, however you look at it. Episode 127 starts here. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my motto. And empathy is critical when you're creating meaningful connections that transform lives. First, let me mention things that's been happening in the world around the world of technology. Congratulations to Deborah Coviello, our former PhD guest, founder of Drop-In CEO, on the successful launch of her book, The CEO's Compass. Don't miss her upcoming event, Your Lean Year. This January 29th, we wish you good luck, Deb. You can check the link later on but stay with us because we also want to mention the fact that Bren Sullivan and Catherine Dehaen, former PhD guests, uh, the fourth effect co-founders introduced their board marketplace app to help connect women to board opportunities. Cheers to this Brian and Catherine. May you continue to empower more women in boardrooms. And finally, our guest. Cheers to the founder of Ganwell Project and today's guest for being part of the WHO Commission on Social Connection video in raising awareness about the global crisis in mental and physical health issues. We are proud of you and your movements to build a more connected world. Now let's go back to our topic. Feeling disconnected? Craving deeper meaning and fulfillment, you're not alone. In a world hyper-connected by technology, many struggle to build real-life connections that truly nourish our happiness, health, and success. Join us for a powerful live stream with Pete Bombacci, a visionary business and social change leader and founder of the GenWell Project, dedicated to fostering face-to-face -face social connections for a happier and healthier world. Pete, let's start with a simple question. Where are you joining us from? Well, Beata, let me just, before I even tell you where I'm coming from, I just want to say how beautiful that opening was, you know, sharing such gratitude and support for those who've been guests before. It's it's so great to be here. Great to be a part of this uh, of this episode with you. Congratulations on 127 episodes. But today I'm reaching out to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the center hub of building Canada and the globe's human connection movement. That's a beautiful location. I'm sure it's not as warm as here in Grand Turk, where I'm calling from in TCI, beautiful by nature. However, since we are talking about human connection, I'm wondering, I could see in the background you've got uh, exercise gear. So why are you not using this opportunity to have connection by going to the gym every day, Pete? Hmm, that's a really great question, Beata. I think for 
all of us, we're currently one of the official partners of Red January, which is a campaign in Canada. It's also launched in the UK, and it's about inspiring people to get active together. So in the morning, my wife and I go for a walk together. But during the course of my days, I find it too difficult to fit in the time to get you know, into the car, drive 20 minutes to the gym, do my work. I just don't have the time. So that's why I use this equipment to help fulfill my need to stay physically healthy while I also get a chance to fill those social connections that are as important as our physical activity. So I try to find that balance both ways. Beautiful initiative. So tell us more about this uh, Red uh, January or however you call it, this initiative. Yeah, well, Red January, we're the charity partner in Canada and Red January, which has been in the United Kingdom for seven years, is a campaign that's uh, about getting people active for the 31 days of January so that they can get active together with other people. You know, for a long time, we've heard about the importance of physical activity, but the one-two combination of both getting physically active and socially connected at the same time is a really powerful one-two punch. And I think the approach that they've taken as a, as a campaign is truly innovative and something that we should all be paying attention, attention to. It gives people a great excuse to reach out to a friend and say, hey, Beata, do you want to meet every morning at seven o'clock and let's go for a walk or after work? You know, how can we build these social connections that keep us physically active into our daily lives? And uh, how can people be connected uh, through Red January? Is it just uh, doing it on, the, on their own? I mean, uh, in their local communities or is it special hashtag they should use? How can you, you get involved? Yeah, so Red January Canada, they can, I, you know, it's it's red, uh, uh, for Canada. It's redjanuary.com is the um, is the URL that people can head over. There's a link there for the Canadian campaign. But again, the whole concept is about not only do we have a supportive community where people can uh, get people connected, um, but most importantly, it's about giving you permission and giving you an excuse to reach out to a friend and say, hey, January is a really difficult time for many people to stay active. It's colder, it's darker. So why don't we inspire each other by getting connected and getting active together for the 31 days of, of January and not just doing a New Year's resolution, but actually creating a positive habit change where we can benefit both from the physical and the social health that we gain from doing it together. So um, beyond Red January, I've heard that you've been also involved in many other initiatives. So Genwell is is really active in the sense of uh, being part of the community, involved in different initiatives like uh, Movember, for example. Uh, what was the story behind Genwell? Well, Genwell, the Genwell project is Canada's human connection movement, and we've been certainly working to expand that more globally. But we're a human connection movement, and we've been working to educate, empower, and catalyze both Canadian and people around the world about the importance of face-to-face -face social connection for their health, their happiness, their longevity, and for the betterment of society. You know, we've been doing it for seven years, long before the global pandemic, because the research is very clear that we were not just a disconnected society after the global pandemic. We've been increasingly dis disconnected as a society since about the 1960s. And so that increasing disconnection has had not only personal health issues, but it's had impact on our homes, on our streets, in our communities, in our workplaces, and in our classrooms. 
And so for seven years, whether it's through our website and through our social media, which I encourage everybody to head on over to Genwell Project and sign up to follow us for daily tips, tools, and ideas. But over the course of the last three to four years, we've developed programs for classrooms, communities, seniors, organizations, workplaces, because we need to help people understand how important this is now that the research shows it's as important as physical activity, eating well, don't smoke, don't drink too much. You know, we've never educated people on social health. And so now the important thing is to educate people so that we can all be more conscious and intentional and recognize the importance that social health has on our mental and physical well-being. You see, uh, it's so funny because people don't recognize the fact that these soft skills, uh, being able to communicate, being able to go out of your comfort zone, uh, it, it sounds a bit uh, like, I don't know, uh, yoga or meditation <laughs> or, you know, all I these agree. things that are not so uh, focused on career development, and but they are part of our life, our everyday life. Yeah, uh, honestly, Beata, I don't think we've ever really recognized it because we took our social connections for granted before the pandemic. It really did take us ripping people apart from each other for two years for us to recognize, hmm, I don't feel so good when I can't see my family or my friends or maybe even some of my colleagues who the research shows our relationships with our colleagues have a better impact on our happiness and reduced sense of loneliness than connection with our own families but we've never really taken those relationships seriously until we've lost a job and then lost that connection to other people. So you are spot on, uh, Beata, when you say we've never taken it seriously. When we launched this movement seven years ago, for five years, most people wouldn't even invest in a conversation because you're right, we thought of these as soft skills. But I might argue that when it comes to success, when it comes to health and well-being, and when it comes to building a happier and healthier society, there is far more to our social connections than just, you know, nice to do, soft skills. These are hard skills. And post-pandemic, they're harder skills than just about anything because there's a lot of people that are still struggling to make it happen. The rat race is definitely killing the social connections. So to those who are really goal oriented and, you know, started their January focusing on their development of skills, uh, why should they focus on their uh, skills when it comes to social connecti connectivity? Yeah, I think it's really good to go through these things. So just some of the benefits that come. So let's actually, I'm going to start with the negative, Yada. So mm -hmm. what the research shows is when we uh, have persistent or chronic loneliness, disconnection from other people, you know, increases our risk of heart disease by 30%, diabetes, dementia, suicide, addiction, obesity, cancer, you know, because when we feel disconnected from other people and we don't do something about it, it creates anxiety, stress, and that creates inflammation in the body. And that inflammation in the body can lead to anything from, from mental health issues to physical health issues as well. But on the flip side, one of the greatest things is that the research is power that more powerful than ever before, that social connection is the single greatest determinant of happiness in our lives. That's the 80-year study led by Dr. Robert Waldinger out of Harvard. It increases empathy and compassion in a world where we're more disconnected, whether we think of politically, culturally, financially. So we build bonds with people when we spend time. We understand them. 
And so it, it reduces anxiety and depression. It strengthens our immune system and our self-confidence. It increases our chances of living longer. And there was a study that came out during the global pandemic that said that it is the single greatest preventative action that we can take to avoid depression. And I guess my question, Beata, and thank you for the opportunity for us to share the work of the Genwell Project in spreading this information is, why are we not all talking about this every day in workplaces, in classrooms, in the media? Let's stop talking about loneliness and let's start talking about the solution, which is educating and empowering people to take action in their own lives. As you stay, we, we start off the year, we get into our physical activity things. We try to do good things. Let's make sure that people understand the importance of their social health to their overall health and well-being. Well, tell, let me tell you my personal story. Um, my mother recently had a stroke um, and she's been living in Poland all alone. And even though I try to call her as often as possible, she's now bedridden because she did not have enough bond bonding experience with uh, neighbors because everybody especially in Poland there is a cult cultural difference uh, definitely in Poland where people do not trust each other that much because communists made us be um, really suspicious of other people's activities and not talking just in case somebody may uncover something on us so it's really really important, Peter. And I'm so glad that you're talking about that. It's not just networking. It's not just blabbing about how your day is and how are you. It's really asking people, how are you? No, truly, how are you? I'm not asking just to see and hear you're okay. I'm here to be your sounding board, to be a mirror. You can talk to me and it's not going to be passed over to others. Oh, Beata, I can't thank you enough for saying that. You know, again, we have not taken social connections seriously enough. And oftentimes we wait till we're in a crisis before we think about them. And unfortunately, when we're in the crisis, whether that's a health crisis or maybe it's a, a crisis of losing your job or turmoil in the workplace, that's not the time to build those social connection ha habits and, and relationships. We need to all start building those habits. And I think, and, and I'm sorry to hear about your mom. And, and right now, as she's going through her recovery from that stroke, social connection is going to be a really important thing. It, it, it is, uh, there's research that shows people that have a social network post uh, an illness, even cancer's case, is have a quicker or better recovery when they have a social network surrounding them. And I think your comment about communism, I, I'm sure I've never experienced it. But yes, I can see how that would create barriers. But I think we've done it on this side of the earth as well. In North America, we, we lived in this, you know, fast-paced, distracted, dog-eat-dog -dog world where, you know, we were always competing. Now we have it on our social media where, you know, every day, you know, you're trying to keep up with the Kardashians and the Jenners and everybody that you've ever met in your entire life. And if that's the competitive set that we're all putting ourselves up against, we'll never be happy. And so what we need to recognize is these fundamental relationships. The research, Dr. Robin Dunbar out of the UK says it's three to five people. If we can find three to five people in our lives that we know will be there for us during good times and bad, you are a really happy person because you have support, you have confidence, you can move forward knowing that, hey, whatever happens today, I can handle it. 
And I think this is part of the knowledge that the Genwell Project is trying to bring in workplaces, in classrooms, in communities, with seniors organizations, because if we can get this message out into the community and into the world, I think we will give permission to people to actually say, hey, Beata, how are you today? And we'll take two minutes to say, how's your family? How's your mom doing? Is she doing okay? Could I pick her up something at the store? Could I knock on her door and check in on her? If we mm. all made those extra little efforts, I think we truly can change the world. Now, um, uh, Pete, I would like to ask you, um, from the perspective of uh, a nerd who used to be very uh, socially awkward uh, in certain situations and sometimes, you know, too shy to ask uh, a question or, or talk to strangers, what would be your number one advice how to break that cycle of uh, I'm too shy to talk to people? Well, I just love that a nerd is now hosting a podcast <laughs> and, put, and putting herself out into the world. So you found a way to express yourself, even if it's a, a one-way dialogue with an individual. And this may be a great first example. You know, oftentimes, I think whether we think of municipalities or we think of workplaces, oftentimes the solution to building more connection is, okay, we're going to get everybody together for a big barbecue or a big something. And what we need to understand, especially as we come out of the global pandemic, is that the solution to building healthier connection habits for everyone is not a one-stop solution. You know, in workplaces, we recommend doing one-on-one -on -one coffees as a solution for those who don't feel like coming to a big barbecue. But maybe we can progress from those smaller gatherings to a confidence where people feel more comfortable in that larger setting. We, and, and the interesting thing is introverts, by research, they need human connection as much as extroverts do, but an introvert wants to do it one-on-one. -on -one. They may not need it as often, but they still need it. And they may want to go to a place where they feel comfortable, and they may want to meet you there so that they can get comfortable and settled before they, before the other person comes in. So there really is a science behind how we help people get connected. But I'll also throw other things out there. You know, we all have a, a belief, you know, especially uh, post-pandemic with a lot of social anxiety that a lot of us fear judgment from other people or fear that people won't be interested in us. And the research shows that we all underestimate how much people actually want to talk to us. The research, Dr. Nick Epley out of the U.S. did something on a subway where they had people talk to a stranger and, and then they asked the people afterwards. It was all unknown. You know, did, did you enjoy that conversation? 100% of the people that spoke to a stranger, both people had a positive experience. So the next time you go to talk to a stranger and you think that they don't want to talk to you or that they're going to judge you, understand the information, understand the facts. Dr. Julian Sandstrom, who's out of the UK, has done similar research, and it's over 90% in that research. So you may be unlucky once where somebody turns their back and they don't want to have a conversation. But 95, 6, 7% of the time, I trust me, it's going to go okay. Even if all they say is, hi, nice to meet you, have a nice day, and they walk on, that's a that's a good positive experience that we can start to build the confidence to say, I can talk to any stranger because I, what, what do I have to risk? 
Oh, absolutely, Pete. Yes, indeed, I'm a nerd. I used to be very self-conscious, and I uh, let's let's face it, English is my second language, so it's a, a, another barrier I'm trying to cross here. However, what I discovered quickly on because I was uh, I had a five year years older sister, and um, I was always jealous of her interactions with others, and I thought I wish to be like her. So instead of being scared of making that first step, I started uh, breaking through the chains of insecurities and started doing it. And by practicing it every day, it's definitely helpful and useful. Hey, Beata, can I just throw this one thing out? And I think that's such a beautiful thing for you to share. And this is the message of our movement. You know, too often as a society, the way we address issues is we go and talk to the people that are struggling. So you're struggling with connection because you're shy, you're introverted. So we come and we educate you and we say, Beata, you need to get more social. Here's some skills that you can learn. But the message of the movement is not just educating people that are struggling. It's actually educating everybody. Because if everybody who came up to you, Beata, one at a time, two at a time, if every time you came across people, you know, like this conversation and I said, hi, how are you doing? How's your day? Wouldn't that make it easier for people who might be shy to start a conversation? So the solution to our disconnected world doesn't lie just in helping those that are struggling. It's actually about educating all of us and recognizing that we're all part of the solution to this problem. It's how I talk to you. It's how you talk to your neighbor. It's how I greet a friend or a stranger. It's in the workplace. It's in our classroom. It's everywhere we go is an opportunity for us to start building connections that make people happier and healthier and make society a better place for everybody. Well, Pete, I had a prime example of how to light up the room because when you came in, you started talking and you started talking with the passion and making that smile uh, on Armenia in our production. And that's not an easy treat, Pete, I have to say. Now, Olga Vasina is saying, ciao tutti. Great to see you on the show, Pete, and good intro. Quite right, Beata is our shining light of brilliance, inspiration and positivity. Thank you, Olga. That's very sweet of you to say so. Now, uh, Pete, I wanted to ask you, because we talk about individuals, and can you provide examples of historical events where the strength of human connection played a pivotal role in shaping societal outcomes and better outcomes? Well, I think it's a really, it's an interesting question. Part of the inspiration behind my, behind the movement was my mom, who was brought up in Northern Ireland and uh, lived through the Second World War. And the stories that she used to tell me is that uh, when, when there would be bombs dropping on her town, everybody would come together and they would run out to the fields and they would wait for the bombs to go. And then what did everybody do? They came together back in the community and they would all hug each other. And this is the interesting thing that if you actually think about what happened during the global pandemic, at a time of crisis is when we need human connection more than ever to know that it's going to be okay. We, we are going to get through this. And so in the, in the war times, we were able to do this. But during the global pandemic, 
the thing we needed most, and I do believe some of the decisions that were made by governments around the world were not done with the knowledge of what the long-term consequences would be. Now, I'm all for masking and separating and all that stuff, but maybe there was an opportunity to do it less because now we're dealing with the consequences of, in Canada, it shows that you know 30 to 50% of people are struggling with social anxiety, shyness, introversion, still fearful of COVID. And so the pandemic told us to stay away from each other at a time when now we need each other more than ever. So we need to now help people get back out. We need to help people take those baby steps who don't feel comfortable today. And as I said earlier, the other people who feel comfortable doing it are willing to risk going out and doing it. If that's something that you are, you know, tend to do, those people play such an important role so that we can all build the connections that make us happier and healthier. Mm, social isolation at the, and mental health are byproducts of COVID-19 pandemic for many of us, but especially for Gen Z. A decade ago, 52% of 18 to 26-year-olds in the U.S. described their mental health as excellent. That number is only 15%. The pandemic brought about well more than a year of anxiety over missing key milestones such as prom, graduation, first day of college, and so much more. So, Pete, one thing that I wanted to talk about was the example of COVID. During COVID, people would gather together on their balconies and start singing. That's a prime example of how people would lift each other's um, moods. Uh, now, uh, is there a way that technology can help, help with a social connection? Well, I think technology can play a really important role. But it can also be a very negative role, and I think we, we know this. So just on your singing comment, I just met with a gentleman uh, who's at Ryerson University here in Toronto, uh, sorry, now called Metropolitan Toronto University, and he runs a program called Sing Well, and it's about getting people together to sing because Robin Dunmar has also done research that shows that singing together and being creative together, whether that's drumming or singing or dancing can play a really cohesive role between people that don't know each other and coming together. So that's a beautiful thing. But Beata, more to your question, I think it's really important for us to recognize that, you know, social isolation, disconnection, and loneliness impacts all of us. And there's our, there are Gen Zs that are actually doing okay right now, and that's not an issue for them. There's also seniors that are doing just fine. There's also executives, you know, because the research shows over 50% of CEOs and, uh, and entrepreneurs feel lonely and isolated. As I respond to your question, what I want to make sure that we don't do is we don't say that this is one person's issue or one segment's issue. There are people across all the lifespan who are struggling right now. Really young kids are struggling because they too were pulled out of things. You know, so we need to recognize we're all in this together. But yes, Gen Zs are struggling. Young girls are struggling because of the social pressures of social media. Digital technology can be part of the solution. But we need to recognize that digital technology is a supplement to human connection. It's not a replacement. The GenWell Project is not an anti-technology campaign. And we do have an opportunity here to support each other 
because we know that we're up against teams of behavioral scientists at each of the social platforms that are making money for every second that we spend on their platforms. And they could change how they do that. But as we've heard from the whistleblowers, they've chosen not to do that at every turn. So the solution is not about hoping that the social media platforms will change how they do business. It has to be up to us. It has to be up to being conscious and intentional about our social connections. But I look at something like this, like StreamYard that we're using right now, or Google Meet, or Teams, or a, Zoom. A Zoom. These are beautiful ways for us to build and supplement those social connections. You and I can't be face-to-face -face right now, but how beautiful it is that we can have a great conversation and a meaningful one that we can share with the world so that hopefully people can walk away from today's conversation and think to themselves, you know, maybe I should do a little more social connection. That is the beauty of technology when we use it properly. So I think the pandemic may have actually introduced us to technology that pre-pandemic, I would never have thought of doing a Zoom meeting. I would have always wanted to do it face-to-face. Um, but now I recognize this is a great opportunity for us to use it, but use it consciously and intentionally to supplement those connections. Amen to this, Pete. I'm absolutely great fan. And uh, also coming back to singing, that's interesting thing because also uh, when I spoke to the neurologist uh, who um, was looking after my mother after stroke, I asked him, what can we do to help regain the strength, regain the memory lost uh, during stroke and so on. And he actually said, you know what, put her into singing, whether it's choir, whatever, or even if she likes to sing under, you know, uh, the shower, because apparently memory loss is very close to where we uh, remember words from singing. And I definitely recommend some singing activities, whether you've got good voice or not. Pete, maybe that's the next project for Genwell to consider. But let's go to empathy, because you talked about empathy as uh, one of the important facets of human connection. How, how, uh, how can we encourage people to uh, you know, work on their empathy lobes? Yeah, I think I think it's a great question. And again, I think this is all part of education. Because we've never consciously thought of empathy, how do I create empathy? What do I do? I want to care for more people, but I look on the news every day and I see war or I see political divide or I see one crisis after another. I want to be more empathetic, but it's tough right now to create empathy and i would say to them the greatest thing we can do to build empathy is to connect with somebody you know maybe even make an effort to connect with somebody who doesn't look like you sound like you act like you think like you because when we sit down and we break bread or have a coffee or have a beer or a glass of wine you know that's how we start to understand other people's perspective other people's challenges other people's way of life and we can actually build empathy and compassion through understanding. Because when I understand the experience and the lens in which you experience things, that's how I can care. That's how I can recognize that maybe I could be part of your solution. Maybe you could help me with my challenge. 
And so I think when we help people understand that the simple act of having a conversation with somebody is part of the solution to building a more empathetic and compassionate world, we start to recognize that it's not the government's responsibility. It's not a program responsibility. It's our responsibility. It's how I talk to people. It's how I deeply engage with other people. It's how I interact with people who don't look, sound, act, speak, think like me. And that could be in the workplace. That could be in the classroom. That could be with a neighbor. That could be with a random stranger on the street. Every one of those interactions adds up to building a more connected world where everyone has the opportunity to thrive because they feel seen, heard. They feel like they're part of a community. And so I just want to encourage everybody post this conversation just to think about where are the places each and every day that I can start building more connection, start up more conversations so that we can all feel more connected and a greater sense of belonging. Greatest sense of belonging, but you also touched upon a very important fact of our brains, because if we don't encourage our brain to think differently, if we don't fuel our brain to sp by speaking to other people who don't have the same background, uh, are culturally different, that's still going to be not really diverse thinking. Uh, it can be diverse in sense of, you know, different colors of, or, or different, uh, you know, country, but really you need to make that connection, talk about things, whether it's what you're doing for job, what is your passion, and that way I could see that many inspirational speakers um, fuel their innovative thinking by speaking to people who don't have the same background. Now, how can human connection address societal challenges like uh, inequality, discrimination, injustice? Yeah, it's a, you know, these are all great questions, Beata. And, you know, I think these are the questions that we probably ask a lot of people, especially our leaders. You know, how can we how can we make change? Well, I think it ties back to empathy and compassion. I think it ties back to understanding and recognizing, you know, since we're not out and about, many of us are not back into our social habits and routines that we used to have. We may not be seeing many of the struggles and challenges that people in society are facing. We see our struggles, but we don't understand how that's impacting other people, what's going on in the world. So again, when I think of what the role that social connection can play is helping give us a broader perspective on what's going on in the world. And, you know, because if we only watch the news, we're only getting this piece of the information. You know, if we don't leave our house, we're on social media and the news, that gives you that much information. And I think we all deserve to have a better and more, um, a greater perspective that's rooted in reality versus what we're being fed through those channels, which is really a very, in many cases, a one-sided perspective. We need these opportunities to have dialogue and connect. And whether it's about the different wars that are going on today, whether it's about what, we gonna, what we're going to fund in government, whether it's about you know, how we're going to interact with each other because we recognize the positive, inter, uh, positive impact of those uh, connections and those relationships, Let's create those conversations. That's We have a series of campaigns throughout the year. We do six different campaigns. 
Talk to Stranger Week, Genwell Weekend, Loneliness Awareness Week, Face-to-Face February focused on students. And so each one of these campaigns is about giving people the information and the inspiration to say, I'm part of the solution and this is a catalyst or permission for me to make connections happen with whatever that specific campaign is targeted at. And as a whole, over the course of the year, I believe that if we all take more simple actions each and every day, we can start addressing some of the biggest challenges that we have in society. Simple actions, uh, that's uh, what Pete is encouraging. And we've got comments from Patrick, IPO, Vit. A joy to be here, Team Woman on IT. Great to hear from you, Patrick. Now, Mary says, a very interesting and relatable topic today, Beata. Thank you, Pete. You're on point in all aspects. Mary, I hope you stay connected. Um, now, we are going to ask you what would be these simple steps can you give us examples five examples how you could start your day on a positive connected note well it's a great question because i finish off every keynote that i do and every workshop that i do with my my five tips so number one i always say talk about this you know we've talked to people in canada for 50 years about exercise and 80 years for eating well in different countries around the world might be at 20 or 30 or 40 years. But most people know that information, but we don't know this. And we need to make this part of the everyday conversation. So job one is start talking about it. Number two, be put it, put it in your calendar. If you want to be, uh, if you want to start this and make this a habit, put it in your calendar. Are you going to do it once a week for 30 minutes? Are you going to reach out to a few different people? Are you going to do it once a day? What time of the day are you going to do it? So if we start being more conscious and intentional, we will make that happen. You know, for some people, we got to get the momentum going. So maybe it's about booking a regular occasion. So Mary, for example, Mary and I can have a coffee every Tuesday at noon so that I have the, I'm building the habit and the confidence that I can talk to anybody because Mary tells me I'm a great person. We have a great dialogue. I feel good coming out of that conversation because Mary is a friend. And now I feel like I can go and create more conversations. Um, the, the, the fourth one that I would say is consider volunteering. We need volunteers more than ever before. And the powerful thing about volunteering for something in your community is that it's not just about helping other people. It's about building that network of people in your life because, you know, when we volunteer, we tend to be with people who've demonstrated empathy and compassion or they wouldn't be there already. And those are the people that are most likely open to having a conversation and helping build connection for you. And then finally, uh, Beata, I'd say go first. Too many times we wait for somebody else to send out the invite, you know, and we've all seen it. One person sends out the invite and everybody jumps in and says, I'm in. But oftentimes we wait for months and months and months until maybe it's an old friend. Maybe it's a group that you used to sing with or play with or work with. You know, oftentimes we keep waiting for the other person to take the initiative. And we need leaders in our country and around the world more than ever before. And I don't even need them to do the politics. I need them to do the simple things. Reach out, 
invite people to get connected because through those connections, we can actually build happier and healthier people, homes, streets, communities, workplaces, classrooms, one face-to-face -face conversation at a time. Uh, that's beautiful because, Peter, you, what I like about your initiative, which is very similar to my initiative, is there is no one leader. There is several leaders who want to take the initiative and they can go into their own communities and start that conversation, ignite it. And that's really what is important. You empower others to take the lead. You don't give permission. You just say, go and do it. Now we've got another comment from Patrick. Great conversation. Thank you, Pete. Strikes me the old phrase of little of everything in moderation remains valid even for the newest technology. That's the comment about technological advancement as an enabler. Now, um, Olga says, great points on example, media negativity. But then again, studies have shown bad news cells how do how do we counteract that process pete well thank you olga for that there's no question media tends to be more negative because the research shows that people will tune in longer whether that's a tv news or social media i got a simple answer turn it off you know again we we need to share this information just like you have, Olga. When people understand this information, then they can make more conscious choices. And again, don't always look at, if you know somebody that's struggling because they watch the news too much, invite them for coffee. Let them connect and then ask them after, you know, you have a coffee or a drink or a run or a walk or a hike. I don't care what you do together. You know, ask them afterwards, how do you feel now? Now that we've spent 45 minutes or an hour or two hours, you know, connecting and talking about good things and bad things, it's okay to talk about bad things. We need to be realistic with what's going on in the world, but let's make sure that we're building those relationships that don't focus just on the negative and also help us focus on the positive so that we can all move forward together. If you focus on the positives, the positives get more positive, as I always like to remind people, because it's Positivity Hacks Delivered. Woo! Yay, absolutely. Now, IPOV, in Patrick's opinion, he is a man from Belfast. He says, glad to hear your Ulster roots too. There we go. Thank you, Patrick. Chiedmile Poche, I should say. Um <laughs> or however it was, it was 2012, uh, we had lots of Irish and that's what I remember from that time. Now, human connection, we talk about the positive, the negative impacts of COVID, but definitely the fact remains, we started our initiatives uh, or ignited our initiatives thanks to COVID because so many people paid more attention to us. Now, Pete, Human Connection, you have got great merch. Tell, tell us about that merchandise. Yeah, we have merchandise and it's really all built on you know, the work we do each and every day, whether it's my Human Cat uh, Connection Catalyst t-shirt or we have, um, I don't have them handy, but we have other t-shirts that really speak to what is our movement all about. It's about friends, family, neighbors, classmates, colleagues. It's about a sense of belonging. It's about connection. We call it social health. 
which is the upstream positive proactive action that we can all take to make ourselves happier and healthier, but also the people around us and the communities in which we live. You know, our merchandise is there to reinforce for people that by taking these actions, we can make a difference and also using it as a catalyst to start a conversation. I can tell you when I wear this t-shirt and I walk around, people are always asking me, what, what is a human connection catalyst? And right there is their answer. It's me because I'm wearing this t-shirt and we started a conversation. So head on over to our website at genwellproject.org. And if you're interested in buying a t-shirt, um, right now we only sell in Canada because that's the system. But if you wanna uh, get something shipped elsewhere in the world, reach out to me at pete at genwellproject.org and we'll figure out how to send it to you because we've never had to do that uh, in the past so far. Um, and we'd love to do that for you. <laughs> Now, Pete, uh, you talk uh, with the passion. You're a, uh, how do we say, social entrepreneur. How do you support yourself? Well, thank you for asking the question. You know, we are a not-for-profit. We're registered in Canada as a, a not-for-profit. Um, for most of the first five years, the only way we were able to support ourselves was through donations and, and a few speaking opportunities that we got that helped us keep the lights on. Um, but in the last year, uh, we now book um, speaking um, the next quarter. I'm booked two or three times a week to do a workplace program or a keynote at a conference, um, helping people understand this topic and the information around it. But we also recently received uh, two significant contributions from private foundations, from philanthropists who understand the importance of the work that we do from a preventative uh, uh, lens so that we don't continue to just wait until people get sick or in a crisis before we're willing to reach out and help them, which is how most of the healthcare systems in the world are built. We need to stop waiting until people are sick and we need to start giving them the information, especially on something that we've never educated people on before, so that we can all be more conscious and intentional that these little actions might be the thing that prevents us from having a heart attack or early onset dementia or type two diabetes, or heart disease, or um, sorry, I said heart disease, but you know, uh, help us feel better, happier, and healthier because that's how we live in a happier and healthier world as well. Connections are made with the heart, not the tongue, as CJ Heck says. Now uh, we always like to ask about the five top skills to help progress females in the word of entrepreneurship or career building what do you believe these are well it's so funny i know you you kind of fed me these questions beforehand i hope i'm not giving away any dirty little secrets here but i relate <laughs> everything back to connection you know so number one you want to be successful in your career build connection you know everywhere you go and i'll and you know all of these are connections so i'm going to say build connection in the workplace number two Build connection outside the workplace. Find your passion, find your balance, and make sure that you're not all just focused on how you do work. Build resilience, because when we build resilience with that strong network of people, that's how we get through the ups and downs that are going to happen both at work, in our families, maybe with our neighbors, even with our friends, we can have challenges. So look at the, the opportunity to build connection and relationships through all these lenses, work, 
family, community, resilience. Because when we start to recognize how it impacts everything in our lives, you start to recognize how important it is. Um, it's about empathy and compassion is another one, another lens that I put down as my fourth. And I know they're all connecting back to human connection, but we, we need to create a world in which we actually care about each other. And by building these connections and opening, as you said, Beata, our minds to the way that other people think, the, the way other people act, their ideas, you know, whether you think about it through the lens of business and innovation or collaboration, or you think about it on a personal level and you say, geez, I'd love to learn more about that culture or that culture. So maybe I could be a little more empathetic and compassionate to the challenges that they may face, maybe as a, a new person in a town or a city or even a country. And then finally, make time for fun. You know, my friend Janet Olmsted, who's the Canadian executive director for Red January, always talks about play. Make play fun and make sure you play together. Because when we find time to do the things that we like, those are how we create those memories that will last a lifetime. And so everything I've said in my five tips ties back to we all need to build healthier connections because whether it's at home, at the office, or in the community, or even for our health and well-being, we need to recognize that our social connections are the foundation of building happy and healthy people. Now, I want to be a devil's advocate here for technology. I wanted to ask you, uh, because it's it's funny, Pete, um, recently I've seen a, a lady who is teaching at a crash, and she said, you know, I've been called everything. I've been called mom, I've been called granny, nanny, whatever. But recently she's been called Alexa. Can Siri Alexa replace human connection or be equivalent to human connection when you can talk to a, a device? Yeah, it's a, it's a question. And, and I don't think any of us really know where AI is going to take us uh, down the road. And I think it's a it's going to come fast and it's going to come, you know, it's going to come furious. Um, I, I think, again, similar to all technology, there will be beautiful benefits when we talk about social isolation, loneliness and disconnection. There will be wonderful things that AI can provide because what it does is in the short term, you know, it provides us support when maybe it's in the middle of the night and we can't find people or the, the services that we lean on, whether that be counseling or maybe it's addiction support or whatever crisis we might be going through. The reality is having uh, a voice there that can actually talk to us through those challenging times until we can get back to the human interactions. But that's my point. Technology is a wonderful thing. AI is a wonderful thing. But if we think that we can create happy and healthy people just through technology, then I think we're sadly mistaken. The research bears it out quite clearly. And so I think we need to, you know, when the phone first came out, Beata, it was just a phone. And then yep. it became a phone with one app and then two apps and then five and then 10, then 20, and now thousands of apps. And I think what we need to recognize is this thing snuck up on us. You know, we thought this was a positive aspect of our life until we recognized that it was doing more harm to many of us than it was adding value to our lives. So maybe right now, the best thing for us all to do is sit down with ourselves or sit down with somebody else 
and just do a conscious uh, uh, update of how much time we know that Apple has the how much time I've spent on my phone, assess how I'm spending my time. And now that everybody understands how important social connection is, make a conscious choice to build more connection. Yes, use AI, use technology when it's there and when you need it, but make sure you're using human connection to keep yourself happy and healthy. Make sure you use technology to enhance your human connection rather than replace. Uh, Marianne, Marianne says, hello, Pete. I totally agree the importance of human connection. I just read an article actually about ghost boots in China where they create AI based on a dead person. Fascinating, but we are not going to talk about dead people because we are fully alive and we want to keep the positivity hacks. And now, Pete, what is the number one book you wish you read before you started your career, your well, journey? Yeah, it's so funny. I, I, I couldn't pick one. So I have one that's a life book and one that's a workbook. You know, yep. and so the Dalai Lama has always been, I'm not a religious person, but I have great faith in, I don't know, the world and people, but the, the art of happiness by the Dalai Lama is a book that I read, you know, when I was going through some challenging times in my life. And it really was about focusing as your podcast is, is trying to do is focusing on the positive and recognizing I have a choice every day, whether I want to wake up sad and upset or I want to look forward and say what can I do to make a difference in my life in the lives of others and then there was a business book that I read uh, you know I'll say halfway through my career and it says it's called brand it's not the logo and I think too often times we get caught up in the minutiae when the reality is when we think about building a business and this is what we are doing at Genwell we're building a brand and our brand is every interaction that we have with consumers each and every day. It's how I email, how my logo looks. It's how I, how our t-shirts look. It's how our social look. It's no one thing. It's about recognizing that when we are creating, whether it's a personal brand, a charity, a not-for-profit or a business, everything we do is about doing the right thing every day. And if we do that, you'll get the results that you deserve. If you do that, you get the results that you uh, deserve. And definitely if you focus on human connection, if you focus on bringing the joy in life to others as well as yourself, it's going to be great positive outcome. I would like to also uh, give an example of one exercise I did, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. We were um, given an egg. Our team was given an egg and we were supposed to replace it with something more valuable. Can you imagine that at the end of the day, we had a proper meal because we replaced it with a pen, with a business card, and we kept continuing replacing it by talking to strangers, encouraging to help us to get a better result and we actually got a meal at the end of this exercise so if you persuasive if you talk to stranger you may have a meal you may have a coffee or you may just have a joy of having meaningful conversation now pete let me ask you about your life lesson quote and how did it change you 
You know, it's so funny. I think I could sit on this uh, podcast with you all day long, Viata. I've enjoyed every part of this uh, conversation. Um, and I think the quote that, I, uh, that I've used many times over the course of my life and career is that you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. And, you know, that's from Mahatma Gandhi. And it really is how I think I've tried to lead my life. And, you know, I haven't been perfect like many of us. But the reality is uh, each and every day I want to do the right thing so that I can be a, a great representation to my son, to my community, to my family and to everyone. Because when we all focus on what we how we want the world to be, then I think we can help bring people along to get us there. We can help people get along uh, further and uh, definitely travel the world because the next question is about imagine that you could meet anyone in the world for a private breakfast. Would you invite to have this face-to-face -face meeting and where would you go to, Pete? I'm uh, honestly, I'm, I, I think these questions are unfair, Beata, because you're asking <laughs> me to choose one. You know, um, to me, it's, you know, and I know this sounds, uh, you know, these are people, well, you know, Barack Obama, Muhammad Ali, uh, Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi. I want to spend time with people who devoted their lives, you know, in even today, like uh, Barack, who devoted it to making the world a happier and healthier place. And there's a long list of people that I'm not naming But frankly, anybody who wakes up every day and says, you know, today I want to make a positive change in the world, which I think is not really your ans the answer that you're looking for. I think we think of a celebrity. We think of somebody who's a hero. But frankly, I love meeting other people who wake up every day like you, who's trying to share a positive message in the world. Because I find when I connect with people like that, Nothing gets me more excited than to hear what you're trying to do to make it make the world a better place. So I use those names. But at the end of the day, Diada, I've had a, a ton of fun doing this show with you. And I've just loved connecting with people who want to make the world a better place. Oh, I love that. Uh, that's an answer from a social butterfly. It's definitely worth now um, uh, living and worth sharing. And uh, definitely we would like to see you back next week. I mean, our lovely audience. Thank you very much, Olga Vasina, Patrick Young, Mary Marianne Madeira, um, for joining us and asking questions, leaving lovely comments, because definitely we want some positivity boost as well not just a conversation here and that's it from episode 20 127 of phd livestream thanks to Pete Bombaci. Thank you so much to stay updated and never miss another Positivity Hacks delivered. Follow Woman on IT and turn on notifications to be alerted once a video has been released. Next week, we have a guest, Sara Koślińska, my homie from Poland, is going to talk about overcoming the fear of investing. Thank you so much. As always, our positivity quote comes from positive thinking only and goes, look for something positive in each day. Even if some days you have to look a little bit harder. And as Maya Angela encourages us, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. 
Today is your day to hug the future, hug the positivity you want. Thank you.